0: Hello everyone, welcome to Arash's World. Today we have an episode with Tia Graham who who is uh, on Arash's World and she's going to talk about really cool stuff and uh, I keep it mysterious now because I want her to introduce herself first and then I will let you know what the topic is going to be today. Welcome to Arash's World, Tia. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. So yes, my name is Tia Graham. I'm the founder of the company Arrive at Happy and the author of the book Be a Happy Leader. And I uh, previously, before I started my company, I led sales and marketing teams in luxury hotels in the United States and Europe. And um, I, I inspire leaders and people to connect to happiness and create really happy teams and the coolest title that I have is Certified Chief Happiness Officer.
0: I was going to comment on that. That is really cool. Um, that and inspirationist. I like that term. Inspirationist is also is, a great is, is one. Is that yes. copyrighted? Can I use it at any point? <laughs>
1: yes, sure. We, we need more inspiration in the world. So absolutely.
0: Wonderful. So so your book is coming out um, next year. So 2022. Yeah, January 18th. There you go. That's great. And so it has a subtitle, Stop Feeling Overwhelmed, Thrive Personally, and Achieve Killer Business Results. That includes everything. First of all, I think we can relate to feeling overwhelmed with what's happening right now. I think everyone needs to thrive personally, and who wouldn't want to achieve killer business results? So what's your secret here?
1: (laughs) Well, there's not just one. It's a whole whole recipe of prioritizing your own happiness and well-being and using the science of happiness and neuroscience to really lead a healthy fulfilling life work personal life right so the first the first step it's an eight-step methodology so the first step is really start with you and then in terms of stopping to feel overwhelmed and not having chronic stress it's about creating boundaries. And so that there's that separation and that you can really be present with your family, get enough sleep and, and not, you know, where, we have an epidemic of overwork. So, right. So it's the opposite of that. And then achieving kids, killer business results, um, is creating really strong, happy teams so that they thrive and create strong business results. And also, um, being very focused and prioritizing you know a leader could be working on a million things at any given time but it's getting really clear on what are the three big things that are going to move the business forward and let me focus on that and um uh and there's there's a lot more but that's it high level
0: that's wonderful i'd like to get into all those steps in a moment but i like how you are uh connecting here two things first starting with yourself and that is very important. And a lot of people forget to do that, I, I, I wonder why. But it's, it's really, once you start with yourself, then you can kind of project forward. Uh, if you are happy, then others will be happy too. It's kind of contagious. And the, the yes, same way negative feelings uh, others would catch too and will become afraid and um, not be motivated and be scared mostly. Um, so what I like is just the, the connecting happiness with work. But a lot of us don't see work as a place of happiness. I know. So how can we change that both in terms of employee as well as employer and leader, as well as uh, managers and so on? So how can we change that that concept that we have?
1: Yes, yes. So first for yourself, you know, I think the, the very beginning is just perspective, right? So a lot of people might think, oh, I'm going to be happy Friday nights and weekends, or I'm going to be happy when I'm on my vacation. But to really change the perspective and know that you can really be happy and joyful and excited and um, you know calm, all of these different emotions while you're working, that the first step is just understanding that that is a possibility and that there are, unfortunately, it's not the majority of people, but there are a lot of people who are really happy while they're working, uh, more in Scandinavia than in North America, but so just know that that I think the first step is just knowing that that's a possibility, that work can be a source of, of joy and happiness. And then the second key piece is connecting with why your work matters and why it's purposeful to you. The number one motivator for people while they're working is progress and meaningful work. So reconnecting to why your work matters. And if you truly feel like your work isn't purposeful, that's an indicator that maybe it's time to look for a different type of work because you really want it to feel like you're making a difference. You're helping people or helping, you know, the earth, whatever it is that you're doing, um, and, and connect to that. And, um, there are so many different ways that leaders can, can increase happiness for, for the teams and their employees and, and help them on that journey as well.
0: How important is is happiness and freedom of choice of having a certain say? As I I talked to Dr. Craig Knight, and he talked about happiness and autonomy go hand in hand in many ways. And so that could be a challenge for a a leader, uh, because then they want to give autonomy to workers, but at the same time, they want to be in control. So how can you solve this this dilemma, this problem?
1: I absolutely agree with the the doctor and the research supports it. One of the pillars of employee happiness is having autonomy. And so for leaders, I would say, to be set very clear goals and expectations and have regular coaching conversations, whether that's once a week, every other week, depending on the seniority of the people that you're leading and have conversations so that you're there to support them, there to help them solve their own problems and be there, just like a sports coach, but you're not every single day telling them, you know, you want them to get from point A to B and B. You're not telling them exactly how to get there because there isn't just one way. So giving them the space and freedom to, to work and, and have that autonomy is going to pay dividends in results, talking about achieving killer business results. A way to not do that is to micromanage people. So make sure that you have ongoing connection with them, but then, you know, yeah, give them freedom to do their best work.
0: Mm, yeah, and, and micromanagement is something that's been going around for, for many years and especially in the past, but we're moving in a different direction now, especially also with the pandemic. And yes. it might be also because uh, that's why we have the great uh, renunci- resignation there are a lot of people realizing perhaps what you're saying, it's like, wait a minute, this is not for me or I can do something else, or, I can do better. So we have that drive. But it's also kind of interesting that there is still this old concept of being in the office from nine to five, that having a structure that's more like a military model, you have, you know, the generals and then the soldiers, the foot soldiers and so on. And but this is now changing. And I think, would you say that research is showing that uh, that old fashioned model may have worked in the past, but it is not in the benefit of the business or, or the company.
1: Yes. Now, of course, it depends. There are so many different types of companies and industries. And, you know, I worked in the hotel industry for 15 years. So everyone working from home, not realistic. People need to be in the building. Right. Depending on. But as much as you can give people autonomy and freedom and what you were talking about, sort of the old structure of this very tall pyramid general at the top, the research shows that the flatter the organization is, the happier People are at all different levels. And w- in terms of decision making, if you can talk to all different levels and really be connected to all different levels and not have, you know, decisions made and everything flow down and just like do this, um, then then people are happy. But yes, the world of work is changing extremely rapidly and, and leaders have to have to change with it, or they probably won't be leading for very much longer.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so let's let's focus on 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 the leader themselves and let's let's actually focus here on your your eight steps and if we can go through them because i found it very interesting and some very very good ideas there that i'd like to elaborate briefly without giving big spoilers because i want people to read the book but uh if we could just kind of start so we start with the self what do you do how do you start with yourself what would be your advice
1: So starting with you is about prioritizing your own happiness and well-being and never ever delaying it saying, oh, you know, when I get that promotion, then I'll be happier when I it's it's prioritizing it now. And and I talk about the the importance for personal life and professional success on why you should do that. And so it's really taking your care of yourself holistically, your physical body, your emotional well-being, your relationships in and out of work always learning and growing and so there's a lot of in all the chapters there's prompts there's actions because I want this to be very practical for people on how do you um, have a have a great relationship with yourself and and, and take care of yourself in all, in all areas
0: now some might say that would be selfish and I would disagree with that but what would you say to that person who would say that?
1: a lot of people say, isn't being, isn't focusing on your happiness so much selfish. So I'm really glad you asked that. I say, absolutely not. It is not selfish because when you are happy and take care of yourself, you lift up and inspire everyone around you. So whether, you know, I have two young children, you know, I, I, what's the, what's the best thing for kids, a happy parent for your marriage, for your family relationships, and also you inspire others. Um, and, for everyone listening who wants to be successful while they're working, research shows, Ivy League research shows that when you are happy, when you're positive, you are more creative. You are more productive. If you're in sales, you sell more. You have less turnover. So there are so many positive business results also that, again, it's not selfish. When you are happy, you're actually helping your organization.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I fully agree with you. And so the, what would be the second step then?
1: So the second step is zoom out. So this step is about perspective and it is about wherever you are in organization, whether it's a nonprofit, a corporation, having the perspective as if you owned or if you were running the organization. So being very wide lens, if you will, and looking at the organization from all different types of perspectives, the stakeholders, your peers, from different people that you work at and and realizing that how you see things is not reality it's just your little slice and, and by doing so um it helps you with decision making and you are definitely going to drive the business forward
0: and I, I like that because it's like we all kind of are part of this mechanism and so to, to look at the big picture right you would say look at the big picture overall but I am an important part of this. And I think that's when when you will later on talk about uh, valuing your your employees as a, as a leader, as a business manager too, because then they feel like the work I'm doing is relevant and is important for the whole. And also kind of as, as, as an employee, understanding the, the leader or the management, uh, the administration of like, they also have the best interest of one in mind. and They also have their own challenges which I might not see in my position because right. that's my narrow view, as you're saying. right. Yes,
1: and a lot of frustration and unhappiness from where it comes from, you know, misunderstanding, miscommunication, just like you said, people from that the, the team's going, wait, why are they doing that? It's affecting us. But if you really uh, get present and and try to understand all different sides and and try to see things from different perspectives, then, Um, teamwork is really going to flourish also
0: Mm -hmm. so communication is key here would you say
1: yes absolutely
0: Uh, that might be a challenge now especially with uh, technology and not being face-to-face because you can have a coffee with your boss and you can talk things over and we can't do that in the same way
1: yes yes it definitely takes extra effort and it takes intention you know, I, re- I know everyone has Zoom fatigue, but I recommend making sure that there is some video communication, doing phone calls. You can send little video messages. And um, even though it's not as, uh, what's it called, sporadic, like where you could just go grab a cup of coffee, but you still can, you know, say, hey, let's have a cup of coffee together. It's not a big meeting with all, you know, people, but focus on that relationship building and try to understand different people's perspectives.
0: Yeah, I miss the water fountain conversations that you have mm-hmm. or grabbing coffee and running into someone. But that's something, again, we cannot replicate in, in, in this environment. What right. would be your next step then? Step three, is
1: there? So Step three, I love. It's called execute brilliantly. So when I first started off in leadership, I worked a lot around the clock. You know, I'd get in at seven and stay till nine and work on weekends. And I was not executing brilliantly. And I really, really honed this skill when I had children and I had to leave work at five to be with, I mean, I wanted to also, but you know, there was a stopping point. And so within this step, there are very, there. are my proven strategies to, you're going to only work this limited amount, but while you're working, you are going to be so productive and so effective. And during that time when my hours shrunk, and even now I have way less hours I am, I'm way more productive and I get bigger results. So I won't, I'll have people read the book to get all the secrets, but that's what this step is about. It's about working smart.
0: I like that. And it's, it's not just the, the nine to five thing. It's just like, really, if, if you work a few hours just make sure that they're really effective and productive. And then you can take the rest of the day off. I mean, that's exactly. something that's become also a bit more flexible where we talk about maybe a four day week would be better than a five day week. What, yeah. what do you think of that? Do you agree?
1: Yes. I mean, I believe that what matters is results and outcomes. It's not about the hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so whether it's a four day, whether it's, I think, you know, of course it depends on the position, but, um, giving, it goes back to that autonomy and freedom, right? You know, if someone's taking care of an elderly parent, maybe they need a little more time. And if they're a great person and they get results, it doesn't need to be nine to five. I agree with you.
0: I, I used to work at a uh, university in Mexico and we would have to sign in and sign out. And it was basically with fingerprints too. So you go up there and wow. after your appointed time, you sign in and then you sign out. But what I found very interesting is uh, when it gets, uh, when it's around time of signing out, there's this huge lineup of people just waiting, like maybe 10 minutes before, just waiting till it's now it's time, now we can go. And I'm thinking, what a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could just like, just work, When we're doing well, we get it done, just just leave. It's not the amount of time we're in the office. It's the productivity itself. And that's measuring. And that's something that will come up a bit later, but I don't want to jump steps here. But uh, yeah, so what is our next step? And I think that's a hugely important one too.
1: Yes, so this step is prioritize relationships over to-do lists. So of course, leaders and and executives have huge to-do lists. There are many different strategies that they're working on and of course, the invasive technology of always you know, always being available. And in this, in this step, I teach leaders and motivate leaders to spend more time with their direct reports, whether that's virtually or in person, and, and cultivate really great relationships and be that coach and, and develop them and invest in time with them. And by doing so, your to-do list will shrink. So a lot of leaders tell me, I don't have time to do one-on-one meetings. I don't have time to do, you know, the team this. And I say, okay. And, but then they're like, you know, I'm not getting this done and we're not, we're not getting this. And I'm like, spend more time with your people and you'll figure it out. Right. So that's really, I, I give, I give tactics on how to do so, but that's, it's really motivating people to, to spend a lot of time with your team and it will pay
0: off. I was shocked to hear about the uh, the manager who um who um uh, fired uh, hundreds of people over zoom in one meeting so that like looks effective minutes. he saved time his to-do list got it done but that did not go well
1: he's gone now yeah like yes. that, that's like the opposite of this step right,
0: yeah. right. And his, yeah yeah
1: he had something on his to-do list like you know fire these and he just checked it right. off versus wow these are all human beings. And yes. and yeah, to look at it as, as relationships.
0: How can you foster relationships in that work? I mean, as, as a leader, how, what can you do?
1: Yes, so I encourage people to really get to know their team members. I mean, as I led teams, I knew so much about their personal lives and about just them as human beings. You know, we all have titles and we have these roles, but we are not what we do right? We, we are these human beings that are rich and super interesting and very, very diverse. And so on an ongoing basis, I encourage leaders to continuously get to know, just like you get to know your spouse as you you know keep staying married, people change and grow. So that's, that's one. Also on um, fostering friendships between the team members is really, really important. And the Gallup research shows that that's just super, super valuable. Understanding where people want to go, not just in their career, but in their life. And as a leader, you have a really uh, big role in that. And so, you know, helping helping to move them forward to to what they want to realize and, and actualize as well. And also being very authentic and vulnerable and real yourself, you know, so whether that's virtual or, or you know, partly in person, but letting the team really get to know you too, and um, yeah, there's more, but those are some key ones.
0: Because yeah, when you open up, others will open up as well. And uh, I think the everyone has specific skills and abilities that don't usually come out. And so uh, I had uh, colleagues who were surprised that I, I do podcasting, and that's, that's relatively new over the past few years now. But um, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is something new, we learned about you. And then so maybe there's something I could do specifically related to my, to my job that would help them. So I think that kind of being on the lookout for that and being in like constant communication again with others, and that autonomy too, is like we have this project, who wants to volunteer for it instead of... You know, randomly assigning who you think would be good for it, but maybe the person does not even want that project in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And giving continuous feedback, you know, positive, specific feedback for what people are doing well. And also, you know, very quickly and and in a non-personal way, you know, letting people know, you know, hey, this this was a behavior. This was something that happened. You know, here's the result. We want you to do this. People want to also... Um, that's another thing I hear a lot where people say, I don't really know how I'm doing. You know, I don't, the leader doesn't really tell me. So being that, being that person that, again, I keep coming back to coach. You're, you're the coach to help them get stronger and stronger.
0: So should, should we have employee of the month? Is that a good idea to have something like that? Or do you think that's counterproductive?
1: No, I think employee of the month. So it's very, very popular within the hotel industry. I think Mm -hmm. that's one way for recognition, absolutely. I don't think it's the only way, but um, it certainly certainly helps and and, um, gives those employees that win um, a a great sense of pride.
0: And then others want to compete and they want to get to that position. So that's like win-win situation for everyone. Yeah,
1: and people are proud of their friends also, you know, when their friends win.
0: Mm -hmm. What's our next step, step five here?
1: So step five is your number one priority and the number one priority is your team. And it's it's funny to say, okay, doesn't every leader know that their number one priority is a team? Well, unfortunately not. A lot of leaders in the research shows a lot of leaders they think their number one priority is driving results. And you know, yes, of course you need to you need to achieve results, but know that by focusing on your team and creating psychological safety and trust and developing people and all of these wonderful ways that, that you can really create a world-class team, the results will follow. And again, your stress and overwhelm will go down. And so I give I give several several uh, strategies and tactics on how to create a super strong team so that when a competitor calls someone and says, hey, come work at my company, I'll pay you more, they're going to say, hmm. No, I think I'm gonna stay here.
0: Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. And uh, yeah, so what's our, our next step then?
1: The next step is measure to excel. And this is a step I learned a little later on in my career, but it's about measuring the lead measures. So understanding what is the big important goal, and I use, I use the um, methodology of this book called the Four Disciplines of Execution. So what is the big goal? And what are the activities, what are the daily, weekly activities that people on the team need to do so that we are guaranteed to beat that big goal? And so it unifies everyone and um, it takes less of the focus off of the the lag measures and really focuses on those forward motion measures that that truly guarantee success. I've used it for years and um, I'll say it's bulletproof. It's an amazing system.
0: It should be manageable. The uh, the uh, goals we have should be within reach and not just far out, right? It's not some yes. wild dreams that we're, we're trying to, to reach at this point, correct?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And I, I like that yeah, there is a measure because I, that's really important too because uh, leaders don't want uh, wishy-washy things. They want something that we can actually measure and so that we can see it's paying dividends. I mean, that's, that's, that's a goal here. And yes. I like that you have that, that, those metrics there too. of saying, okay, clearly planning it out and saying, are we reaching this goal? And then probably analyzing, if not, then what happened? Why not? What could we do better to, to improve?
1: Yes, exactly. And why I love this step is it truly unifies everyone. It, it takes the competition out of, okay, that person's doing this and this brings everyone together. and says, if we all do our part, we will we will get here and you're exactly right if something you know isn't happening then everyone comes together and analyzes okay what do we need what do we need to pivot on um but it it actually ties into your number one priority, which is your team.
0: I talked to another a leadership coach uh, to a leadership coach here and um she said what's uh, what sometimes happens to within the team there is competition and sometimes the leader does not feel confident enough or is scared of, others and so there's this like um um they're competing within the company as well and there's the competition from outside so that that union does not exist as much it doesn't go as uh, as smoothly as it should
1: right right yes yeah i mean healthy competition of course can be really fun and can motivate people and drive it but it's absolutely the leader's responsibility to make sure that it's not toxic and too competitive where it is where it's hurting relationships
0: and then step seven would be important for this too.
1: Yes, step seven, uh, one of my favorite, of course, as, a, as I am a happiness expert, is be the spark. So being the spark is knowing every single day that as a leader, you set the tone for the energy and really the emotional state of people on your team, whether it's virtually or in person. And so this is about being optimistic, being positive, not every single second of every day, of course, but but more a positive than, than negative and making sure that you're taking care of your energy so that you have more to give. And this isn't necessarily extroverted, introverted. It's, it's for all, you know, there's many different ways that you could do this, but knowing that, you know, there's a light inside of you and it's your responsibility to share that light with the people on your team and inspire them to do their best work and really, um, you know, work to their potential.
0: As an instructor, I I, I feel sometimes the the energy of students, where they're excited, they they slept well, they're not as stressed as they would, and so it goes really well. There are other days where it's not looking so good for me, but then I do have to bring in the energy, kind of push myself. But then there's also those days where I feel great and I have all this energy. And I see there's no response from them. So I think tough crowd, you know? So so that's when we do have to find ways of energizing them, but usually even those classes then turn up to be fine, as long as I feel fine.
1: Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, as much as the knowledge and the information that you share or, th- or that leaders share, it is, it's also about the energy and how, how we make people feel, right? Behavior really is driven so much by feelings and emotions. So, yes.
0: So you're basing it on the SPIRE model by Tal Ben Shahar. Can can you uh, comment on this briefly? What, what sure, is that?
1: Yes. So I spent, I met uh, Dr. Tal Ben Shahar at the World Happiness Summit many years ago, and he, I took his year-long program. So for a year, studied this SPIRE model, and it's a holistic way to approach happiness and, and human well-being, and it stands for Spiritual well-being, physical well-being, both the mind and the body, physical in both ways, um, intellectual well-being, relational well-being, and emotional well-being. And under each of these, there are many different topics, all uh, research-based, of course, that are levers that you can pull on, that you can that you can use to increase your happiness and increase your well-being. Um, and so, uh, by, by, by focusing on, of course, they're all interconnected by focusing on any of them, you will positively benefit the other areas of your life. And you can use Spire both personally, and you can also apply Spire
0: to an organization. So would you say that happiness is kind of trickled down because once you are happy, then you're going to be happy in pretty much all areas of, of your life. If that's the case, and is that not something that, um, uh, uh, employers should look for when they're hiring a person. It's like, this person is happy. Great, let's let's hire them. Should that be not a, a factor as well contributing? Yes,
1: back? I mean, yeah, I, I, I would say, yeah, you wouldn't wanna knowingly hire a very negative, pessimistic person. Of course, people are always their best on their interviews, but, um, and there's different levels of energy, quiet energy, or, you know, me, I have like big, loud energy. Um, but, but yes, looking at, you know, you you can ask questions about, you know, people's lives and who they are and get get a sense of how do they view the world? Because, you know, uh, positivity is really about focus, right? It's not so much, um, it's not fully genetic or anything. It's like, where does this person want to focus? And, and is it on the negative or is it, is it more on the positive? So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the age old saying of, hire for personality and, and train for skill, of course, right. There's all different levels, but, um, as much as possible, bringing people on and, and, um, in Kim Cameron's book, I forget he's at a university in the East Coast, but anyway, in his book, he talks about positive energizers and, and how these people are so valuable to organizations. So, yeah, I think, I think if you can look for that, it will definitely serve you well.
0: I think it's also embodying it. And I, I I sense with talking to you, you are upbeat. And when you talk about happiness, I, I believe you because I, I see it reflected. And I've talked to people who are who claim to be happiness coaches, but then they don't sound happy. They don't look happy. And it, it reminds me of this dentist I had who, um, uh, when he talked, he had crooked teeth. And I said, um, well, I don't know if I should trust you. <laughs> and it's the same with when you look at uh it, Happiness coaches, but also at, at leaders. When when they're not happy, then there's something off, and mm-hmm. um, we we kind of don't respond as enthusiastically to, to that. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. really embodying it in, in different parts of life. I think.
1: Yes. No. Embodying it. Yeah. I absolutely right. You because what what words words only go so far. Actions and and emotions and you know it, those, all the the, the substance um, and. I'm certainly not happy every single day. Of course, I'm a human being. I have ups and downs too. But as much as possible, I really try to practice what I preach. Otherwise, uh, I don't. I don't think I could run arrive at happy.
0: <laughs> but this is core that we would have when we say generally. I'm I'm satisfied with what I do with my life, and that might get us to our to our last step here. Yes. Mindset.
1: <laughs> yes. So step eight is master your mindset. So, you know, the, the power of mindset and thoughts, of course, is not new. What I share in this step are the strategies that I have used over the past 25 years to more than not be positive, be optimistic and, and really, um, really honestly cher- cherish life. So constantly working on myself and um, trying to look that the glass is half full and also live with a lot of gratitude. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is hugely important. And I think we we focus on the negative of things we don't have, things we want. And uh, I'm reminded of of people who who work all their lives, I can't wait to retire. Once I retire, life will be good. And then they get to that point and they see like, well, what do I do now? I've lived all my life just working and waiting for this moment. And now I don't know what to do with my free time.
1: Right, right, absolutely. A key concept in my book and in my teachings is remembering every single day that you are mortal. You know, and when I'm on stage, I will say, "You might get hit by a bus tomorrow." Like i I know I'm, at, you know, I'm not here to just talk about death, but I, I'm very aware of that, and so, um, I, I, yeah, I try, try to live my life working, parenting, you know, family, everything in, in, uh, yeah, j- just remembering that when you wake up and you're breathing, it is a gift and, and just not to take it for granted.
0: I, I'd be interested in your own personal journey and whatever you want to share here, you feel comfortable sharing, but how did you arrive at happiness and, uh, uh, it's upon pun and arrive at happy Your your company?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes so um as a young child i def, i grew up in northern canada in the middle of the woods in a little log cabin we didn't have a phone or tv um but had a had a pretty happy-go-lucky uh, childhood i mean we skied and played in the snow and what you do in northern canada um my i have many like like all adults adults many pivotal moments in life um the first one that really set me on this path to live this way. And now to teach and inspire is, um, uh, when I was age 11, my parents, uh, separated and started going through a really, really terrible divorce. I mean, messy in terms of fighting over child custody and uh, like, anyway, very, very messy. And I'm the eldest of three girls. And so a lot of it, I was trying to shield them from all the chaos and craziness that was happening and my dad had always been a very happy-go-lucky guy and um, with this separation and this divorce I saw his light dimming and dimming and he he was not happy and his you know just the way he lived and the way he moved and he was he was changing not for the better and it went on for a few years and it was extremely scary because I remember thinking as a young adolescent is this my new dad? And, you know, my, what, you know, now we had two households and just, and everything. And after a couple of years, there was one day he woke up and no, sorry. He was awake. I woke up, came downstairs. My sisters were still sleeping in his house and, and he was different. He was playing reggae music and, and making breakfast. And, and I remember, and I said to him, you know, wow, dad, you seem really happy. Are you happy? Cause it's your birthday. And he paused, he was making pancakes, he paused and said, you know, Tia, I have had two of the worst years of my entire life. And I woke up this morning and I said to myself, I don't wanna have another bad year. And from that day on, I saw my dad choose happiness. His circumstances hadn't changed that much. I saw him making changes to increase his happiness. So I learned at a really young age that happiness is a choice.
0: I completely agree with you. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And um, that is, uh, it's it, it sounds harsh and it's it's not like diminishing what people are going through but we still have a choice. We do have the, the freedom to pick a path over another one. And, um, Sometimes the choice is is narrower. It's more difficult because of our options, but there is still, even if it's minimal, there is still a choice and we have to always keep that in mind. Yeah.
1: Yes. And it's also a lot of work. You know, a lot of people are Mm -hmm. like, what are your three tips to be happy? I'm like, you need to do, it's so many things. It's not just like, you know, eat vegetables and exercise. It's, it's, you know, we're very complex beings. Um, And so yeah, I think, but, but constantly keeping that in mind and, you know, I've gone through many challenges since then. And I will say the biggest one that, that motivated me to create the company was when I had a very busy executive job and I had a two-year-old little girl and a brand new baby little girl. And in the United States, you go back to work after three months. So I was overwhelmed, stressed, exhausted, tired, guilt. I mean, you name it, angry, sad, all of it. And, I, again, went on the the journey because I was, I was really unhappy at that point in my life of like, okay, you know, you are in the driver's seat. You need to make changes. What do you need to do? Um, And, and accepting that life, does have ups and downs, but back to what you said, I like, yes, it is a choice. And, and um, it's, it's one that you have to consistently make as life progresses,
0: and we build stamina and resilience. I mean, we're seeing it here with the pandemic, which is a stress test for for everyone across the world. And uh, I'm in, in Vancouver, so we we had British Columbia it was was going through a very very tough tough year this year. It has been extremely difficult. And it's like when you think like, yeah, we passed it now we're okay. Another thing would hit, and it seems like constant these these blows. But then you have to keep your head up. I mean, there you have to be optimistic about it and positive. I remember um, I saw a talk by Martin Seligman who, uh, who who talked about the importance of agency, but also feeling that yes, we can make a difference, uh, efficacy, as well as a very important point here, optimism and imagination. I and mean, mm-hmm. we need that, that kind of optimism, even or especially if things look very bleak.
1: Yes, yes. And to look for Yeah. What is going well? For sure. The last few years have been so challenging in a million different ways. And there's also been a lot of blessings and, you know, a lot of, a lot of wonderful things. So, um, yeah, I I think, I think knowing even just looking at the challenges as just that it's, it's a challenge and it's going to make me stronger and I'll get through it. Um, and, and, and knowing that nothing stays
0: the same. It's it's the the mindset idea, but also hurdles are there. What do you do when you have hurdles? You jump over them, and what happens is you get stronger, you get faster. So yeah. it's hurdle is not a stop, and a lot of people see it as that, or they feel victim. They say, "I'm trapped and I can't get out," and that is very negative and has very negative effects on on their psyche
1: and their physical health. I mean, that's another. I tell people, I'm like you will live longer. You know, you will be there for your grandchildren. Like that's a big reason for me. I want to know my grandchildren. And so the mind and body are always connected. You know, you're, you're, The psychological immune system is just as important as the physical immune system. Mm
0: -hmm. And and relationships are so important. And we we see it more and more also in in times of suffering, but uh, there are also cultural differences in terms of relationship. And there's also in schools, is it fostered or are are we working on, on making individuals who can compete with others and even within the family, is there competition again within them or do we work as a team? And we seem to be very individualistic in, uh, again, Western societies, although in some places in Europe, they they have a, a more open way of dealing with it. And then there are other cultures who who really see themselves as a unit. So yes. what? how could we foster more uh, the drive for relationships in, let's say, places like North America and Canada?
1: Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up. And I, I studied in Denmark, that's where I got certified as a chief happiness officer, and Community and human connection is so much stronger there than North America, work and, and personally. And, you know, I will say that the, the most simple step is to evaluate how much time you're spending cultivating relationships, both friends, family, and coworkers, and look at how and where you can increase the time to spend with people who you care about and who care about you. Um, whether it's, you know, for, a for a cup of tea after work or, you know, doing a sport with a friend or, or FaceTiming your grandmother. Right. Um, and I think also time back to like North America, we are so driven for, uh, material and financial success and understanding. I say this all the time. I'm like, it's great to be, I mean, I'm ambitious. I want to do wonderful things. But know that that itself is not going to bring you this this um, meaning and purpose. And, you know, that the don't don't focus so much on that, because when you are on your deathbed and someone says you have two weeks to live, are you going to say, oh, I wish I worked another 10 hours? No, you're going to say I would have spent more time with my kids or I would have, you know, to always, always just have have that perspective. And I mean, I know I would love to hear your perspective on this, too. The sense of community, right, of of just like, for example, in a couple of days, we're having our neighbors over to come over for some holiday cocktails, someone across the street, you know, a lot of people don't do that. I'm like, do you know your neighbors? No. How you've lived here five years, how do you not know your neighbors? You know, just that also the, the local community, we need so much now more than ever, too.
0: Yeah, I think money is, is is a great point here. I just want to focus briefly on that, which I found very interesting because money doesn't bring happiness. If this were so, then rich people would be very happy, but they're not. We have the rich and famous who are suffering from from many issues, and I'm thinking, well, that is not solving the problem. At the same time, when I looked at, I, I dealt with with, I saw many poor people, especially in in Mexico, in extreme poverty but they seemed quite happy. And some of them, are, again, not extreme poverty, but um, people who just barely had enough were also more generous. They would invite you to have dinner at their place. Whereas the the rich are stingy and greedy. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? There's something else.
1: Yes, yes. No, absolutely. And, and the research shows that the higher people get, they're like disconnected with, with others, right? Whereas living in a community, like you said in Mexico, other places. Yes, so the research shows that, you know, wealthier are, are slightly happier, but it's not this massive gap. And a lot of it has to do with freedom, time affluence, right. Where you can, you know, pay someone to do things versus having to do it yourself. Um, but knowing that human connection is the number one driver of happiness. So for example, where you were in Mexico, I'm sure they, they spent time, a lot of time with their family and, and friends and neighbors. And, um, to not everyone, if you inherit money, okay, maybe not, but a lot of rich, guess what they're doing all the time? They might be working 80 hours a week. And so if if they're not-
0: And they would work a lot and would actually work more than than here in in, in North America when I see it. But at the same time, they would spend it and they would have a good time with it. Whereas here we want to save up and for what, we don't really know.
1: Right, like get the fifth car versus helping in the community.
0: I'm not surprised that you got the uh, um, uh, the certificate in Denmark, because Denmark is, is often like held as a, as a model of, of happiness. And they, they consider themselves the happiest people in the world, I think, or one of them, yeah. Scandinavian countries. But I, 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 that's a dilemma for me, because when I see I've met some uh, some Scandinavians and Danish people, they don't seem happy.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, how does that
1: work? Yeah. So the World Happiness Report, which, which measures, it's really uh, more subjective well-being. So it's how people evaluate their lives and they're evaluating things like safety, education, um, you know, all of these different uh, components of, of humans' lives. So the, the World Happiness Report isn't necessarily, these are the most joyful people, yeah. right? Um, but, um, you know, the in places like Scandinavia, it's a of course, more socialist where university is free and, you know, there's less of a uh, wealth or income gap, a really, really wealthy. And, you know, it's more um, one of my friends who's Danish, her dad was really wealthy and he actually left Scandinavia because he wanted to be really showy and like buy a sports car and, you know, look rich, but that's frowned upon mm-hmm. in Scandinavia. It's, it's you know, so that he actually moved to Orange County, which is a perfect place to show your wealth. So um, so yeah, I think, and and the society also is, um, of course, there's smaller countries population wise, but just strong sense of community of people spending time together.
0: I think also less stress, because if you don't have to worry about your education, paying back your student loans, I mean, yes. that's a yeah. major factor for, for stress Huge here.
1: factor, yeah. The average Danish person works 37 hours a week, so. There's a lot of people working over 60 hours in North America, um, which is a huge difference. You have more time for sleep, you have more time for friends, family, hobbies, yeah.
0: I, I've, I've lived and worked across the world in various places and traveling is uh, is is very, um, it teaches us a lot of things, but it also, there's a sense of frustration there. And so I, I, I want to know like, do, do you feel frustrated about certain things after you travel? Is there like a sense of like, kind of a homelessness or where you see like, things are done well in another country, but not here, but then some things that we do here would work well over there and trying to find that perfect balance and perfect mix in there?
1: Ah, oh, that's a really great question. I have to be honest, no, I haven't felt that, but now that you've said it, I think I'm gonna look at, I you've just added to, to a perspective. Um, Yeah, I traveled and lived in a lot of different places too. And you, I will say, I'm usually just, if, yeah, again, full of gratitude and also awe of experiencing other cultures and, and people. And I also always, cause I, you know, am Canadian and American, mm-hmm. even though things are far from perfect in North America, I'm always, um, you know, thankful for the opportunities and, and for the way, you know, that, that I was able to, to grow up here, um, in the mountains and everything. Um, but i will say i don't know if frustration is the right word but um, that it there's def, i definitely feel a sense of imbalance and you know greed of how so little people have so much and so many people have so little that yeah i think it's i think it's the unfairness that mm-hmm. that i don't like
0: and the frustration is not having a perfect place because then when you travel it opens up your eyes and you see what we're doing something here that is done better in another place and I can't really bring it here so uh, I grew up in Germany and so so small talk and friendly chats on the bus and everything is is frowned upon and it it doesn't usually happen people usually live in their own worlds and I'm thinking why not no and this is I like this about here where you feel free to chat up anybody and they will respond whereas over there people just look at you it's like why are you talking to me what's wrong with you (laughs) <laughs> I find that frustrating because look, we can combine everything and I know right. it, you would lose some of your original identity and cultural practices, but it's for the better and culture is fluid. It's not something that is stuck. We keep changing.
1: Right, right. Well, I definitely believe that travel is a key way to, to bring people and cultures together and to increase understanding and to increase compassion um, and to, to see that we are of course way more alike than we are different. You know, I think a lot of people are think, oh, you know, that country is this or this and it's like, no, we're all human beings. We're living in these different places, but we're way more similar.
0: But real travel, not staying in resort hotels or going to we'll the
1: Yes, the restaurants
0: someone has or Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's called vacationing, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually talk exactly. live there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I also want to talk about about the neuroscience, because you're using neuroscience and positive psychology. And these are things I'm, I'm fascinated about, especially here, the brain, how the brain works, and frame uh, yes. chemistry, and uh, uh, framing things, and so on. So what, what would you say is the, the big takeaway here for you, the, the biggest lesson in terms of neuroscience?
1: So I actually, and I'll be very honest, and we'll see if the listeners feel the same, I was not aware of adult neuroscience, like, you know, neurogenesis. And I was not aware of all the ways that the brain continuously changes until about like, it was five years ago that, and I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't studying neuroscience. I was like leading teams in the hotel industry. Right. So the biggest, the biggest takeaway, and then there's all the subtopics below was just that you are never stuck, you know, your behaviors and your thoughts and your feelings continuously influence and, and physically change your brain either for the better or for the worse. And so, you know, even though you might have some really big neural pathways that you've been doing the same thing for a long time, it doesn't mean you have to be that way forever. And so that's, that's the biggest takeaway for me. is just, just that knowledge that in all of these ways, your brain can change. And by doing so, you're going to be healthier and happier and more successful. So use that knowledge to I would say I would say, to motivate you. There's one woman, because I teach people about exercise and neurogenesis and how you could birth new brain cells. And this woman in the audience says, you know, I have never wanted to exercise my whole life, but the fact that I now know it gives me new brain cells, I'm going to start. And I was like, yes, great.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's empowering, inspirational. And uh, so the book is Be a Happy Leader, Stop Feeling Overwhelmed, Thrive Personally and Achieve Killer Business Results. I can't wait to read it. I will put it on my reading list. It sounds fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for talking about your book, for, for giving us a, uh, kind of a preview of, uh, of uh, what's happening here. And uh, definitely, I, I would recommend reading. I will read it myself. I'll put it on my list. And I'm thank glad. you for sharing all, all your insights and and uh, also a lot of research that you've done. Comes of course. To
1: yes, my pleasure. Well, I'll share with, with all the listeners too. I have a free... Uh, challenge. It's called the Happy Leader Challenge and it's four videos. So for people that wanna to dive into something free even before getting the book, that's available at happyleaderchallenge.com. And um the book is you can go to happyleaderbook.com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tia. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Great to meet you. And stay happy. <laughs>